Yo, what's going on again? This is Julian from the Clear Cash Podcast, and that's what you're listening to. This is part two of our E3 expose. Who am I here with today? Who is that over there in that uh, dark this crowd? This is Nick. This is your buddy Nick. <laughs> oh, hey. buddy Nick. Hey. Okay, so we covered a lot of stuff in the first episode. Please go listen to that first. A lot of stuff to talk about from this year's E3. And there's some stuff we left deliberately out of that because it's going to take a little bit more time to go into. Two things in particular that we sussed out and said, you know what? We got to shake a more than a couple lambs tails of those games. We could have included Super Smash Brothers, Super Smash Mothers in this segment. <laughs> yeah, went through the whole 40-minute section where they just went over who's wearing what in this iteration of the game. Who's wearing what? <laughs> who's wearing who? Who's wearing who? It's a Kirby game. The whole thing's a Kirby game, actually. Uh, so one of those, let's just get into Bethesda first. Uh, so we, we didn't mention too much from the Bethesda conference. Um, pretty typical Bethesda conference from... I mean, it's like copied from the last. It was basically the same press conference as last year. Essentially yeah. the same thing. <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, Pete Hines came out, right, and uh, said some shit. And then Todd Howard came out and said some shit. Um, basically is how it went. Yeah. Basically how it went. Uh, so they went over Rage 2, um, mm-hmm. which we, you know, I, I'm kind of divided right now on this game because while I was first had this, like, excitement and... In interest, I think it's waned a bit. Um, where are you at now with with Rage Two after what we've seen at at twenty eighteen E three? Do you remember when Nicholas Winding Refn's movie Drive came out, starring one Ryan Gosling, of course, as a getaway driver? Yes, and he drove he drove people around, and there was some. There was a girl that he lived nearby. Mm-hmm. He was having feelings for unrequited love, and she was in like a bad relationship, and he was f- feeling very frustrated about that, feeling yes. like he wanted to rescue her. You remember that movie? Yeah, I remember Drive. Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a woman who went to see that movie, and was so furious that it wasn't an action movie with a bunch of chase scenes in it that she sued the theater she saw it at. Oh, no. <laughs> For her money back, her, her 10 bucks? For, and the studio that produced the movie. Um, because they thought, that the aver- she thought the advertising was misleading. Okay. She was like, hey, this trailer that you showed on the commercial had like rock and music and a bunch of cars peeling out. And there's just this fucking quiet boy all like angry about wanting to love this chick that is in a abusive relationship bad bad commercial right that's what i feel about rage too is <laughs> okay they're making these commercials about like hard rock and punks listening to andrew wk and flipping you off and the game is just uh it's not like that at all <laughs> I, really. thought, I thought you were going to ask me at the start of this do you remember when andrew wk was popular Nah, dude. You know what? Andrew WK, I remember that. I worked at Hot Topic. Um, but also, his Japan covers album fucking kicks ass. That album is extremely good. And really? And you should listen to the Japan covers by Andrew WK. I've always been interested in the the the, the look he's going for. It's like, because yeah. you know, he wears the white shirt and the white jeans. And you want to talk about Andrew WK that... for a second? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So the goal of his 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 character is to be as dirty as possible, or at least he, I don't know if he sticks by that, but it seemed like he was going for extremely dirty all the time. He could be pit stain from Pete and Pete, but he's not, you know, Uh he doesn't have pit stains. So it's not so much that he's dirty. It's just that he's got the one outfit and it's well-worn and yeah, I wash it, but also no, I don't buy a new, new, copies of it i just got the one set okay so he's got the one set but it's clean he it's clean he does wash it uh but he is a hard rocker i mean yes. he gets down in the mire or is he is he 
getting down in the mire because turns out he might have a, an ex uh, a business partner of his who claims that Andrew WK is not who he says he is. He is in fact an imposter and that the Andrew WK persona is a fraud. And I've that heard Andrew this. Andrew WK is another person entirely. And the person that we see is a man posing as Andrew WK. So the person and who create creates the music is is behind the scenes wizard is of a Oz different style. person. Yes, and that Andrew WK, the motivational speaker slash musician, is this other guy. And that he's a fraudster. And this guy built a website detailing his elaborate conspiracy theory about this that everybody should go check out because it's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like, is Paul McCartney actually dead and has been replaced by someone else? Kind of. We're talking about like, the, this level of theory. Yeah, except like far less scandalous because the accusation is effectively like, Andrew WK is just a persona. It's like, well, yeah. Like nobody thinks that Andrew WK is actually is like that. Actually like that, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, so he's there promoting Rage. So yeah. he must love the game, right? Why yeah, would he, he must, promote it if he, he must love, love the game, game as much as Vince Staples loves Fortnite. Yes. See the last episode for detail on that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I Rage, I, I thought that they could have done something cooler with this game, this game that had mostly been forgotten. Um, yeah, so I don't know. And then, yeah, yeah. the rest of the Bethesda conference, they showed uh, like half second or half minute teasers for Elder Scrolls Six and Starfield. Dude, half minute is generous. That was like six seconds long. Kind of was, the El- right? The Elder Scrolls Six. It was literally just like it was six th- seconds a sweeping long. shot of of a beach and then the title Elder Scrolls Six. <laughs> Didn't yeah. even have a subtitle yet. <laughs> like no shit, dude. Mm. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. it's confirmation that they're working on it and people like that, but uh, it's obvious that they are going to... It's not like they're not going to make another fucking Elder Scrolls game. Yeah. Fine. Okay. So the highlight from Bethesda's conference, of course, and actually it was shown off in the Microsoft con- conference as well, was uh, Fallout 76. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and this is a game that we... Uh, when I, I had a lot of trepidation when, when I first started hearing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had these ideas planted in my head for what this game was. I was thinking for some reason, based on what I was hearing, that it was going to be something more similar to Elder Scrolls Online. Obviously, Elder Scrolls Online is an MMO. Um, it feels like an MMO. I, I've had I've played it, actually, in the past couple days because um, mm-hmm. it was on sale. It's pretty cheap. Thought, right. Oh, you know, and it was on Game Pass, too. Oh, okay. um, so if you have Game Pass, you can play Elder Scrolls Online. Uh, and you know, I and I just can't get into an Elder Scrolls game that feels like an MMO. It has that like downgrade in every other way to to allow for the performance of playing in these large open worlds that are filled with other players. Mm-hmm. And I was assuming that Fallout seventy six was going to be closer to that, you know. And we were hearing things like it was going to be sort of like Rust in a way, like it was going to be a survival type game. A lot of rumor, and this press conference and the stuff we learned uh, outside of that really cleared it up and actually reversed my thinking on what it was uh, which in a, in a positive way because I was uh, initially pretty hesitant to buy into this game and, and what they were going for right. but uh, as details emerged and then we got this press conference um, I am completely on board dude wow am I excited for this game yeah, it looks tight. Looks, looks super, tight. super tight. Like, and I'm I I was not a big Fallout Four fan. I really like New Vegas. Um, I beat Fallout Three, but I was ultimately disappointed by it, and uh, I felt like I had burned out on Fallout games entirely unless they took like a, a big step in a new direction. And this doesn't feel like a huge step in a new direction per se, but it feels like enough. And I'm also I'm like endlessly fascinated by the persistent survival genre, um, just games where you make lots of measurable physical progress and build up a new, you know, whatever it is you're working towards, especially in like a persistent world with other players. That's super interesting to me. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, so we got 
a lot of details on what this game is actually going to end up being. And one of those things is uh, that the world itself is uh, persistently uh, online. Um, so it's never going to be not online. You can eventually have private servers um, or uh, private matches or whatever you want to call it in which you could play with a select group of friends or even solo. Mm-hmm. But from day one, when this game releases, it's going to be uh, online only, of course, and you're always going to be in a lobby with other people playing uh, as they intend, because that's, that's what they want the game to be about, is to be in this world where you have to uh, always be considering where the other active players are and either choosing to team up with them or kill them or defend yourself from being killed from them. Right. Um, one of the things we learned is that you'll actually be able to see where they are on the map at all times. So you'll always know where the other players are, mm-hmm. uh, which is a lot different than a lot of games in this similar genre where uh, unless you're in a party with them, you're not going to know where they are, right? How will you know where they are? You'll see them on the map. They'll, you'll actually see them on the map as if you're in a party oh. with them, huh. which is which is interesting because it, it's, it's a new, I think it's a new thing in this genre to, to always know where enemies are, or potential enemies are. Right. So I think it reframes them less as enemies if you know where they are all the time. True, true. I guess it gives more incentive to knowing, like, if you know, if you look on the map and see if someone is in an area that you were struggling with, uh, maybe you want to run over there and and, and join them and say, hey, you know, jump on chat or whatever, however that's going to work and and say, you know, like, let's do this thing together, bro. We got this. Right. Um, As for the world itself, very different setting uh it takes place not long after the war the great war of, of fallout has ended mm-hmm. um so one of the things that they hammered home is that it's going to look a lot different than any other fallout game uh because it's so close to after when the bombs fell things on earth haven't completely degraded so there are forests there's there are still not thriving but they still are alive mm-hmm. uh there's gonna it's gonna be more lush going to be more green it's not going to be as drab and dusty and dark as uh some of the past fallout games have been um which is i think a welcome change for sure yeah and i feel like a lot of post-apocalyptic games have started to take that turn and i'm happy about it ultimately yeah yeah totally i i think that that's something that's been missing and i always like when when fallout 4 started to 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 burn out for me um, one of the things I, I wanted to turn to right away were, were mods that added green to it because mm-hmm. I was so tired of looking at just gray. Yeah. Uh, and Fallout 4, I think, has moments of beauty hidden in it, but when you add a mod that adds um, some lushness to it, some something to look at, it takes it to a, a whole nother level that is is super welcome. Yeah. Um, one of the, the questions that I had about this game right away, knowing that it was going to be this online experience where players can battle each other, you know, perhaps even sneak up on each other and and, and grief them. Yeah. The question I had was, what what were they going to do to get around that the whole griefing thing? Um, especially when they showed that you could nuke, send these nukes. Which now we know that these nukes that they have um, the, that are in end game. Yeah, so once you complete the main story of the game, you'll have to do these really difficult quests in which you can uh, earn nuclear launch codes. And then uh, I, I haven't figured out if they if you can bomb anywhere on the map or if it's specific areas, but right. you can essentially nuke an area on the map. And what it does is it. Um, irradiates the area makes all the enemies like essentially legendary enemies for lack of a better word it makes that area like a loot heavy a really uh like high level area to go and get legendary items get get high level items for your character Hmm. um so that that's really the incentive that they're going for and that it's not necessarily a griefing thing because i as soon as i saw that you could nuke places and settlements i was like oh my god end game is going to be chaotic and a nightmare right um but they incentivize it in a way that you want to you want to use the nukes on certain areas to obtain um high level gear so that's really cool yeah um so i i don't don't know if i've mentioned it yet but the fallout 
lobbies of this game um, are going to be 24 to 32 players at one time. Uh, and this okay. map is supposed to be four times bigger than Fallout 4, so that, that should be plenty enough space for these players to space out. Yeah, totally. Uh, so I want to ask you, what are you... When you think of like what Fallout has been for you in the past, and, you, and you've talked a little bit about it already, but what what needs to be here to keep you playing this game long term like if you if you're going to invest your money you specifically i, I mean yeah uh, if you're going to spend 60 dollars on this game 65 dollars when it comes out what what do you need there to be to keep keep you in it like do you, do you need to be playing with someone all the time are you happy with with knowing that you can play solo for a while and perhaps get in, encounters with other players um, what's been missing from Fallout specifically for you that needs to be here to keep you engaged? I think that the world building has to be super interesting. Um, I Effectively, the writing needs to be in place. Um, the reason that I dropped off of Fallout 4 was I just was so bored by the writing. None of it was interesting to me. Even Nick Valentine, which people were really excited about, and I'm an enormous uh, noir and uh, pulp like mystery reader. Um, I just couldn't get behind any of the plot points in the game, and I ended up stopping because the combat is just not enough to carry me through a Fallout game. Um, it's uh, everything feels kind of bullet spongy. Um, you have so many resources. I, I often felt like I was just ex expending them endlessly in like subway stairwells and stuff like that uh, in various types of combat stalemates. So I, rather than like encountering interesting enemies and stuff, I would like for the there to be like uh, interesting stories to to find and discover and uh and learn about yeah that, that's something they did cover a bit is that the they they took note of what people said about the story of fallout 4 and the style of, of quests in that game mm -hmm. one of one of the major complaints of fallout 4 was that a lot of the quests were, were just essentially radiant quests and mm -hmm. what that means is uh, doing quests for a certain faction in the game that don't have any impact on the story or don't provide any story. They're simply fetch quests. Yeah. Uh, and that was a bulk of what you did in Fallout 4 um, mid yeah. to end game. They they set up a plot in the, in the first few hours. And then once you join factions in that game, you just run out and do small favors for them. And, and that's pretty much what the bulk of questing in Fallout 4 is. And, and they took note of that. And Bethesda said, you know, like we listened to you and and we're doing something that is more similar to to what we've done in the past in, in terms of uh dialogue dialogue options and and the way quests branch out and and you know in terms of like how that's gonna how that's gonna exist in a persistent online world uh, I, i'm not sure how it translates I'm, I'm sure they're able to pull it off in, in some way but um that still stands as, as an unanswered question right now is is how the story how it's going to work from player to player when you're playing in like an online because I, I find like when I play something like destiny where I play destiny pretty much all the way through with someone, mm -hmm. um, I find myself becoming very detached from the story and destiny yeah. probably is a poor example because the story isn't particularly strong in that game. Right. But um, when I'm playing online with someone, I find myself spending more time invested in the experience with the player I'm playing with rather mm -hmm. than the story that we're both, involving ourselves in yeah i think that's fair i think it's harder to pursue a story in a multiplayer game i've i've long been interested in the idea of playing something like divinity in a in a multiplayer co-op scenario because it, it allows for you to do that but i honestly can't imagine how kludgy and slow that would actually be to have each player have every dialogue experience independent of one another make all those choices independent of one another and keep up um so playing like a co-op fallout new vegas or something like that in theory that sounds really interesting but like in execution i imagine that that could actually be pretty time consuming 
Yeah. So I wonder how they'll handle something like that. And yeah, like they have the, the survival mechanics that they've not really detailed, but have alluded to and the building. And well, we, we do know some from the survival in that you need to f- eat and drink to survive, which okay. is, you know, you, you haven't had to do that on the basic playthroughs of, of Fallout previously. They do have hardcore modes in which you do need to eat and drink. Right. Those are optional. But yeah. in this game, at every level, you're going to need to eat and drink to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, so they will have, I'm, assure, I'm assuming, uh, your stamina be affected and your health ultimately affected by not eating and drinking. Yeah. Um, food is going to degrade over time. It's actually going to rot. So we see that in a lot of other survival games. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll need to be mindful of that. And perhaps um, in your base building, as you were mentioning, um, you'll be able to build like some sort of refrigeration to keep food longer, storage to, to keep food longer. Um, and so the base building... Thing, Go ahead. Well, that kind of thing is what makes the survival elements bring the co-op experience a new depth that extends beyond simply like shooting at the same enemy at the same time like hey dude like you gotta need food my character's starving or uh sharing resources ultimately exactly yeah totally it's interesting yeah you might like if you're in a group of four like you might want to have one person that that specs out like because because how leveling is going to work in this game is is you're gonna with each level be able to choose a perk card Mm -hmm. and these perk cards are going to give you different attributes and things um all related to your strength perception you know so if you're familiar with fallout you'll know how that works um and each of these perk cards give you bonuses for various things uh cooking uh combat stuff like that so you you can spec your character out in a way that is beneficial for a certain type of playthrough like if you want to focus on support you can perk yourself out that way mm-hmm. and uh one of the really fucking cool things is that once you collect your perk cards by leveling up you can actually uh give them to other players um oh. so like how that how that works is um if you're in a group with someone and, and you're you're doing a quest or, or you're just like you know hanging out with them um you can let them use your perk card if you're not using it because you only have a certain number of these perk card slots. So say by level 50, you have 50 perk cards. Mm -hmm. At any given time, you'll only be able to use a certain amount of those. And from what I understand, you'll be able to uh, not gift them permanently, but let someone in your party use a perk card if you're not using it. Huh. Okay, yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, sharing resources and co-op experiences is really, is always fun. Also, like, it encourages communication, um, which I really like. So Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some other notable things that, that is going to be included. Um, they're going to have a anti-griefing measure in place, uh, similar to how Grand Theft Auto works, um, GTA Online, in which if you're constantly killing other players, you'll gain, like, a wanted level, sort mm-hmm. of how they have... Um, bounties put on players for who are causing a lot of damage or, or killing a lot of players um and uh and then the penalty for dying in the game is that you'll respawn nearby just like gta um so uh, so i'm like i said i'm fascinated by the idea of persistent survival games um the idea of something like arc or rust interests me very deeply i tried my hand at Daisy when that was popular, put like 30 hours into that game. Um, but ultimately, even in spite of how those games are meant to be played, they are invariably exploited by their fan bases and the means for griefing are invariably uncovered. And um, there is no measure strong enough to stop people from being assholes in those games. And the gta uh griefing measures are not strong you and i exploited them ourselves yeah um the the respawning the character further away isn't far enough (laughs) it's not far enough dude i I will always recount the experience of you and i personally hunting somebody who shot at us Uh um across the southern part of uh of gta 5's map down to a beach repeatedly killing him and spawning a little (laughs) bit further away 
uh, down to a beach where he eventually could only spawn in the same point because yeah. the AI couldn't find anywhere I need to put him. And we just took pictures over his body <laughs> until oh he quit out of the map. <laughs> I remember that. That's that's fucking terrible, dude. It's terrible. Yeah. And like I, you know, I had a lot of fun doing that, but also like I hate when people do that shit to me. Oh man, it's yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, it's not a good feeling. And it, you're right. I mean, inevitably, you're, you'll experience something in this game that frustrates you because you're getting spawn trapped somehow uh, there'll be something that you'll experience but i think that bethesda is doing everything in their power to incentivize teamwork in this game mm-hmm. well okay yes but also incentivization of teamwork isn't enough like i think it's i think it's presumptuous to assert that players are going to play the way that developers want them to because that always falls through develop players always find different ways to play and they developers will tell you this developers are surprised by the by the things that players end up finding to do in their games and this isn't a complaint like the creativity of players is unparalleled but we can't we can't assume that players are going to play nice they're just not going to do that and can't get uh, boxed in no nah, so well i mean we'll see but I'm I am still hesitant about the persistent survival model and how people are going to behave in that because really like the idea of playing a rust populated by like ravenous fan fallout fanboys is sounds like a fucking nightmare to me and Mm -hmm. um, I want to see also like this is Bethesda's first outside of Elder Scrolls online this is their first like multiplayer experience at, at this degree oh absolutely so you know you know nobody exceeds at their first try um so i am hesitantly um excited i think it sounds really cool um i just yeah. want to play it quote right right <laughs> the right way i i think that this would be if this was a game that right from day one i could just play with you or mm-hmm. play with you know a small group of people and that was mm-hmm. it I would uh, I would be a hundred percent on board, and I, you know to to be honest, after this press conference and, and reading everything that's out now about this game, I'm probably going to get this as soon as it comes out, yeah. regardless. But um, would would knowing that that you could have that experience of just playing in a small group of people, whether it was just with me or a few other people, would that incentivize you you more to pl- to to pick this up right away? Okay, so like I am I am. I am expressing um, hesitation, but make no mistake, like I am interested in playing this game. Um, right. I, I also recognize that my willingness to continually throw myself into the gears of these, um, of these persistent survival sims is uh, foolish considering how they continue to betray me. But I do believe that there is the kernel of something great in this gameplay model i just want to see it executed on in a way that doesn't somehow manage to reward shitheads um Mm -hmm. and i think that the size of the map coupled with this small scale of the player base on that map is a good it's a is a very strong uh, means of minimizing the likelihood of of incentivizing incentivizing people being assholes because you're really going to have to go out of your way to hunt people down if if we're to understand how large this map is supposed to be. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm totally going to play this game. Like, I'm yeah, I'm going to play this game. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Hell yeah, I need some people to play with. Yeah. Okay, so that's enough Fallout 76. And the next game that we also neglected to talk about on purpose um, is Death Stranding. And Death Stranding is is a little bit trickier to talk about because if anyone follows Kojima, Kojima is like sort of a master of of misdirection without intentionally trying to misdirect you. He's just cryptic. Um, And you, of anyone, you you know as much as anyone how much that that truth of that is. Um, Remember Joaquin Mogren? (laughs) You remember with the bandages on the face? Yeah, yeah. That's purposeful misdirection. 
Can we? So does everyone know the major spoiler of Metal Gear Solid Five now? What's that? That you're you're playing as uh, Poison Snake and not Big Boss. Oh, I guess so. Sure. I mean, that's happened twice now, where it's like, oh, oops, you're, that's not the snake you thought you were. <laughs> He's poison. It's Poison Snake, right? Isn't that his name? Venom or is Snake. It Venom Snake. Okay, I was close. Yeah. Uh, who I believe is actually still just Big Boss. What? Yeah. I thought the big reveal at the end was that uh, you're playing as Venom Snake, uh, the medical operative who is uh, made to think he was Big Boss. Oh, I see what you're alluding to now. Nope. So Venom Snake is Big Boss. Okay. But yes, you are playing as as a, somebody who's who's had their face, the snake's face grafted onto them. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then retrained to be them. Right. Which is okay. also, again, the second time that's happened to the Metal Gear Solid universe. <laughs> I love it, dude. I, I, As an outsider, mostly to the Metal Gear Solid franchise, I, I just fucking love hearing stuff like that. Not still not enough to get me to invest my time in any of the games, but you, dude, like, dig, I'm I'm angry that you haven't played Metal Gear Solid. 5. I know, like, so many even, people tell me that shit. Don't my, even play the plot. Don't even work, pay attention to the plot. It's like the best playing game. I know, I know, and even my brother, who's like the most casual video gamer I know, yeah, gets visibly upset when I tell him I still haven't played Metal Gear Solid Five. It's infuriating. Just fucking play the game. <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna play it. I'll tell you, I have a lot of time. Okay, uh, so I'm gonna play it before Death Stranding comes out. So at I least have play this, Ground Zeroes. I I actually have played Ground Zeroes all the way through. Like like I the, it's not very long, so it's like no. what is an hour? So I have played that. I played you that like a few years played? ago. What was, it, what was that? You like the way I played? Well, I oh I I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I think Metal Gear Solid Five feels excellent. It's okay, incredible. Well, the, yeah, um, also play five. Five is great. Yeah, I've, five. I've I played like the first couple hours, and I was enthused. I was like, "This is great," but got distracted. So, I'll get I back into it. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Fine. Um, fine. <laughs> okay. So, Death Stranding. They showed a new trailer for it. Uh, they didn't have a big uh, presence at, at E3 2017. Kojima came out and said, uh, "We're working on the game. We don't have much to show you, but we'll have more to show you next year." And they did. They had a, a good section of the Sony press conference, um, about a 10-minute trailer that was uh, story and gameplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were your What were your thoughts uh, right away after after enduring seeing this trailer? Did you walk away mm-hmm. with anything uh, that's that, what What stood out to you? I'm I'm interested to know because we haven't talked about this too much. I liked how much of it was dedicated to Norman Reedus dropping stuff. Yes, and just carrying shit. Yeah, Maybe it's just a game stuff, about carrying like, stuff. Oh, ooh, fuck. How much can ah, you carry? Oops. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn it. Ripping his toenail off. Oh, I like Yuck. that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it looks uh, a, a bulk of the game seems to be just walking through these like valleys and mountain passes, just carrying more and more shit. Scrambling. Scrambling up a hillside. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we, we kind of like know more sort of about what this game really is we know it's a stealth action game it's gone back and forth uh, from what i can tell in uh, over the past few years from being open world to not being open world i still have no confirmation i've seen that it is an open world game i I don't think it is and i i don't think it should be honestly Mm -hmm. um just based on the story they're trying to tell uh Mm -hmm. it seems that um, I think it's going to end up being more linear than people think it is. Right. Um, but we do, uh, after this gameplay trailer, know now that the main character's name is Sam. Uh, okay. Sam Bridges, played big by news. Norman Reedus. Big, big news. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the trailer is, it, the one that they showed this year is really kind of silly in a lot of ways. Uh, it opens with a baby being shown, um, which we already Baby's knew. There's ass. Yeah, baby's butt. Yeah. Uh, we already knew that, that there's babies in this game uh, that that are like central to the plot somehow. Um, but there's a baby that exists inside Norman Reedus. That that mm-hmm. baby is in his like esophagus, <laughs> which is really fucking weird. What is going on? I want to know. Well, are we sure that's physical or is it not metaphorical? metaphorical? Yeah. With Kojima, it could be either. It could be both. Could be both. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but yeah, throughout this trailer, we see Sam traversing this this world uh, that's po- like I think it's like some sort of post-human Earth. I don't think they're on another planet. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to be uh, after some apocalyptic event of some sort, mm-hmm. and it seems like that apocalyptic event has uh, something to do with time or perhaps black holes. Uh, okay. There's multiple mentions throughout this trailer about uh, how time is not what it once was, right. that there is dilution, that there's time slips. Um, and, and I'll just run my theory real okay. quick by you Hit and me. tell me what you think. Uh, so after this trailer, what I, what I began to think was, okay, so if this is a world that's been seemingly destroyed or heavily disrupted by time, Mm-hmm. that that time doesn't work how it's supposed to anymore that that uh Norman Reedus's character the baby he's carrying around is is a baby version of himself maybe or mm-hmm. perhaps a baby version of uh his partner or something like that okay and that there's potential in this time slip uh world to to rapidly age and rapidly decrease in age okay uh, we saw in a previous trailer, I think that they showed two years ago, that um, you see a character rapidly age, right? Like go from being like middle aged to elderly. I think it was. Yeah. Um, so perhaps in this world, that's a major issue, and perhaps what killed most of the population is that time was affecting people to shoot them down in age and shoot them up in age right so massive acceleration or deceleration in the aging process okay um, in some regard um and then we also see in this trailer that you can that that norman reese's character sam uses the baby to power his backpack that has this like robotic attachment that uh shines this light source that you're able he's able to see these humanoid entities that are invisible to him otherwise that just kind of float around and are attached to these umbilical cords so there's a lot of imagery revolving around birth here mm-hmm. um and, and so I, I i think that this whole thing is going to be some some uh, m- metaphor in a lot of ways but also this journey of like from birth till death and people stuck in between that process and being forced to relive lives and and time mm-hmm. is going to be like massively disrupted in that way and and uh and i don't know but you know so what do you think uh so kojima is a huge pop culture dork right he's yeah he loves western cinema he loves western music uh and he loves eastern cinema and music as well um and when you mentioned black holes, it occurred to me that uh, Kojima is also a big fan of Christopher Nolan, and in all likelihood, we got fireworks going off over here. He also liked uh, Interstellar quite a lot, and uh, I think the time dilation stuff that you mentioned makes a lot of sense. And I can't help but see Kojima through the lens of the pop culture nerd that he likes to portray himself as. Right. He's he's very much the kind of person who is stoked to use his position to um, familiarize himself uh, or ingratiate himself with celebrities and become friends with those celebrities. I mean, this is Death Stranding is a perfect example of that. Like, he's just in love with Mads Mikkelsen <laughs> and Norman Reedus. He fucking loves those guys. And then he got like Lindsay Wagner, the bionic woman, at the end, which was like the big reveal at the end of this <laughs> recent trailer. <laughs> so random. And like he could have just Norman Reedus star in this game. Uh, he could, you know, he what Norman Reedus was going to be the star of Silent Hills, right? Yeah, that was the big reveal at the end of the of PT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he just loves that dude, and you can you know it because Norman Reedus got a new hand tattoo, and it's it's fully featured in this trailer repeatedly. Yeah, it is. He just likes Norman Reedus. He loves like, him. They're the buds. Figure. Dude. Yeah, they're buds. There's a good picture going around of him pretending to smoke a cigarette next to Mads Mikkelsen and Norman Reedus, <laughs> who are f- factually smoking cigarettes. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Um, so I like legitimately think that he saw like Interstellar and was like, 
Hell yeah. Time dilation, dude. Dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey crying to his elderly daughter. I you're probably on the right track. And maybe we'll see like a elderly Norman Reedus crying to a baby version of Norman Reedus. I like the uh, I like the notion that the baby is potentially a clone of him or of his partner uh, because he enters the time muck area by saying like I've got a plan and he like straps a baby onto his chest yeah so it seems like the fallback plan is like well this baby's just gonna grow up if I age out mm-hmm. and then it'll do but then how is it getting the knowledge I don't know I think I think kind of well, the baby also gives him a thumbs up at one point I mean the baby may be like if it was a human, maybe oh. it was. Uh, I mean, it's me. I got the I got the idea that the, the baby that he has is sentient and has consciousness, and is it like because it does give him this weird thumbs up in the beginning, and maybe that's nothing. Maybe yeah. it's metaphorical, or huh. maybe that it once was like his partner or his friend or someone that mm-hmm. rapidly decreased in in age and is now a baby, but still maintains a level of consciousness where he's able to provide help to to norman reedus in some way other than just being there i think that that's fair to assume well i don't think it's fair to assume i think that's a fair uh, guess but i think it's i think at this point it's foolish to assume that anything that is being portrayed to us makes any like direct sense uh remember that um metal gear solid 5 was initially billed as the phantom pain by portraying it an enormous fire whale. Um, yes. There's a lot to guess about what a fire whale means. And the fire whale was, in fact, in the game. It doesn't fucking mean anything. It, it's never, it, it never revealed why the fire person made a whale out of fire. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> nobody like addresses that fact. It just happened. So the fact that the baby gives a thumbs up, it could just fucking happen. The, the baby may not actually be communicating anything. It may just be something cool to look at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be. Very well could be that. Uh, there, There is a, a moment um, in the in the newest trailer. Also, I want to say as an aside, the song that they have in this mm-hmm. trailer, fucking good song, dude. I like hey, that dude, song. Kojima loves his music, man. He's He's got like a super high-end digital audio, Sony audio player. Mm-hmm. that he takes pictures of when he's got like new order playing on it and shit <laughs> he loves slow dive and Fuck he's, yeah he's got good ass taste in music his song uh well, i've never heard the the group before silent poets Neither i'm, I'm I. familiar with them but they the song is called asylums for the feeling or asylums for the feelings uh-huh. and that's like such a fucking kojima like it's just super kojima to me yeah totally he's a moody dude yeah and uh there's a oh we so we saw um the other um uh, character that ha- hadn't been introduced before also um mocapped and portrayed by Leah Sedu, a French actress. Okay. Um she her character is super bizarre but but also very Kojima. She wears like the um this exosuit of sort that has fragile written all over it and shipped with love like it's so like anime yeah, and strange dude. and Hell yeah. i love it never uh, knows best <laughs> <laughs> um but she has she's having this conversation with with norman reese's character and she says something like what's your level uh-huh. and he replies with i've got the extinction factor <laughs> right so and you're like what the f- what the yeah. fuck <laughs> what does this mean yeah i don't know fucking know <laughs> <laughs> and then she eats a weird space bug or time bug. Oh, at the, yeah, at the end, that's the last thing. She eats this fucking nasty little grub. Who yeah. knows? So maybe that's a baby Ludin that Kojima seems to be obsessed with. These oh yeah yeah higher so beings. Of the Ludins. Um, so can you can you fill me in on what that is? I mean, I so I read up a little bit about Ludins and Kojima's sort of obsession with them. But do you can you perhaps give me some info on that a little bit? Yeah, he's, well, he ever since the launch of his studio, he's been. I don't know if I want to attribute this entirely to him, but Kojima Productions has been uh, uh, using this mascot for their uh, for their studio logo, which is a skull-faced person with a um, 
like a space suit on and they are called homo ludens and the the developer or the studio's website has described a homo ludens as the evolution of mankind the the kind of uh human evolution or the kind of human that l- loves to play or lives to play right and uh most people who talk about or read about games know ludo or ludens from the term ludo narrative dissonance sure um so to see it pres- prescribed in this way is interesting and uh it's just like a cool like space guy with a kojima flag and a tight ass night suit right the logo for kojima productions yeah or kojima, and, yeah they've got like figures of him and shit yeah it looks rad and uh you said that you think that he might play a role in the game and that surprised me well i i've seen people theorize that the kojima mascot is you know is a ludin or being that he is a ludin um there's been a lot of theories that ludins are are the either the antagonist of death stranding Mm -hmm. or play a major role in death stranding and that Mm -hmm. perhaps even as to go as far as to say that their mascot is going to play a role in this game, that that's actually a real character. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Homo Ludens have existed before Kojima made it their mascot. Okay. Um, it's shown up as early as 1938, I saw. Um, it was written by a Dutch historian um, named Johan Huizinga. Um, but since then, it's shown up in other places. It's been written in sci-fi uh, book series, um and essentially they've they you know over the the last uh, hundred years or so they've they've shown up in other places and um what it, what it's akin to what it can be um compared to is like x-men uh, sort of above human like they're just evolved humans okay um and, and that they also have this very like ethereal simple nature to them that they just kind of float around and and as you said are very playful like they play Mm -hmm. um so there's something kind of innocent about them in a way and that they've maybe in their evolution above human they've left all of the things inside humans um psychologically that that make people dark inside and Hmm. they left anger and everything behind and were purely just evolved into such a simple being they don't have that level of emotion you know Mm -hmm. um so so the theory right now is that uh the world that sam uh norman reese's character inhabits is a world post ludin whatever that means mm-hmm. and that the ludins are the things that you see in these trailers that are invisible mm-hmm. um that are hunting humans in a way uh they seem to to move without a lot of sound they they don't seem to have much of a uh vocal presence they don't make any sound i mean you see them floating in the sky and they're they kind of shimmer and then you see them later in the trailer and they're like this kind of just mass of shadow and and darkness so i didn't get anything angelic from them i i from the trailer i understood that they were these uh insidious beings but but who knows i mean we don't know i don't know and then like He's got that noisy ass notifier robot on his shoulder that's like yeah, clacking yeah. <laughs> and blaring light, but then he covers his mouth. Yeah, and that thing is going crank, 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 crank. Yeah, so I don't know. What's it detecting? Like his breath? Or <laughs> that's another good question. I don't know. Well, it seems it almost seems like back to the point that that time and reality is weird. There's a moment in in this new trailer where uh, it's right in the beginning. Redis's characters in like this cave hiding out. And one of the beings, the entities, comes into the cave with him. And you can see its handprints. It's got very human-like handprints. And it it presses down on a photo that he was holding and had dropped Mm -hmm. in like a mud puddle. And the hand presses down on it. And it creates an imprint in the ground, but it doesn't affect the picture. The picture, the photograph itself that's there doesn't wrinkle. It doesn't get crushed. Mm -hmm. It just is static there. Um, so that made me think that maybe these entities are on a different like timeline 
and they're kind of like reaching through time in a way, or maybe that they're just on a different plane of reality and they're seeping through. Uh, there's just, there's so much to think about and digest and it's, it's not easy with what, what we've seen so far. Yeah. It's a fool's errand at this point. It's just, mm-hmm. we just got to sit back and let it wash over us. Exactly. Uh, so fallout 76 comes out this year. That's going to be in November. I think no release date on death stranding. So we'll see you at next year's E3 with more. Oh, and Cyberpunk 2077 looks fucking oh, rad. Oh, fuck, dude. We totally missed that. Yeah, damn. We missed that on the first go. Uh, the trailer yeah, was dude. extremely compelling. Yeah, and, it looks awesome. Uh, did you play awesome. Witcher 3? No. No. Did you? I did. I played yeah. it. Loved like? it. I get it. it. I love it. I want to play it. Are great. It's just very long. Super long. <laughs> Um, yeah, I love the aesthetic of this game. I love the clothes and the way the robots looked and shit. Mm-hmm. Nothing really more to say about it. <laughs> well, dude, it was like a two minute trailer. I mean, yeah. we, we don't, we hardly know anything, no gameplay. So can't get over that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, chick doing her makeup with no mouth on <laughs> or the, uh, the, the part that, uh, stuck out to me is, and I want to know more, but. There's like a, a meeting hall or something, an executive conference, and there's a guy who, who has like a plug in the back of his head and he starts to short circuit. And he's, he's like, just fucking on fire. Yeah. A woman comes over to help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. Fucked up. I love it. <laughs> also, the logo's fucking rad. Oh, it's, dude. It's so at the end extreme. of that trailer. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. I'm stoked for that. Also, there, I think that's a next year game, though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, so fuck, man, a lot, lot to cover. E three twenty eighteen, pretty good success, I think. Better than last year. I'm stoked. Yeah. Do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, all, all this stuff looks cool. I wish that uh, Escape Four was there. Session doesn't sessions. count. No, it doesn't count. <laughs> no, it doesn't count. I heard the controls are really rough. Oh, really? Game. Like this one stick is for kicking, and the other foot, other foot is for flipping the board. So both what? sticks, yeah, and then you use the triggers to turn. Okay, no, nope. sounds really weird. Don't fuck with the formula. Skate perfected it. We're I, done. We're done here, forever. Look, look. Here's my here's what I, my request. Sk- the release Skate Three on PC. Release the SDK for free, and charge a hundred dollars, and then I'll pay that. I don't care, you know, make your money and then just let us make whatever we want with, with the skate three engine. We'll make a new, wait, is it, we listen, not even make a skate focused game. We'll make a game in the skate engine where skating is an option. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I just want to, I want to, I want to kick flip pile driver off of the top of the empire state building. (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man unlockable character confirmed. Hell Yeah. (laughs) 